1: Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the March 16th, 2020 edition of IMRU Radio Magazine.
2: The world's longest-running lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender radio show, now including the queer and intersex communities in our mission statement and proudly promoting our allies.
1: Hello, I'm Michael Taylor Gray.
2: And I'm Chloe Corcoran. Tonight, since the White Party in Palm Springs has been canceled due to concerns over meth use and
1: unsafe sex, I mean the coronavirus. We decided to take you there at least your ears, with an audio essay from Peter McQuaid. And
2: since we're all suddenly shut-ins, we look at must-see online queer films via Pride on screen.
1: It's a flashback feature that we'll be doing a lot in the next few social distancing months.
2: And tonight's film is Brokeback Mountain.
1: But first, the Honest Tea. Our first featured story this week on Honest Tea is LGBTQ people have a higher risk of coronavirus. Now, when I saw this... Really caught my eye, Chloe. Right. So stick with us. Yeah, stick with us. Don't panic. Okay, it's important that we figure out what's going on. Now, LGBTQNation.com reported this story on Thursday, March 12th, 2020, by our intrepid reporter, Alex Bollinger, and it had a subheading of LGBTQ organizations are sounding the alarm. What is the alarm, Chloe?
2: Well, a coalition of organizations sounded the alarm about how LGBTQ people are more likely to catch and suffer from coronavirus than the rest of the population. The National LGBT Cancer Network organized an open letter signed by over 100 organizations that lists reasons LGBTQ people should be taking extra precautions to avoid the disease, which was labeled a pandemic by the World Health Organization.
1: The letter asks public health organizations and agencies, health professionals, and the media to understand that LGBTQ people are more particularly vulnerable to coronavirus, listing three main reasons. First, LGBTQ people are 50% more likely to smoke than cisgender heterosexual people, according to the letter. Coronavirus is a respiratory disease, and smoking, likely using e-cigarettes as well, reduces immunity to respiratory diseases and makes recovery from those diseases take longer.
2: Second, LGBTQ people have higher rates of both cancer and HIV, both of which can compromise a person's immune system. While doctors don't believe that people living with HIV whose viral loads are undetectable are at significantly greater risk of getting coronavirus, many LGBTQ people either don't know they have contracted HIV or are not managing it well.
1: And last, LGBTQ people face barriers when it comes to access to health care. Discriminatory attitudes are common enough among medical professionals that some LGBTQ people avoid or delay health care. And job discrimination and LGBTQ... Homelessness mean that many LGBTQ people don't have access to health care. The organizations
2: note that the estimated 3 million LGBTQ elders in the U.S. are particularly at risk. Coronavirus has a mortality rate of 8 to 15 percent for people over the age of 70, according to the World Health Organization. And elder LGBTQ people may be more reticent to seek medical care when needed.
1: The letter concludes with a list of measures people in positions of power can take to help address LGBTQ people's risk when it comes to coronavirus, including targeted public health campaigns, training healthcare workers to provide equal care to LGBTQ people, and working with LGBTQ health organizations. So a lot
2: of this can be scary, but we do ask you to seek out good information.
1: I always try to divert to this motto, be an actor not a reactor. So when you when you see a headline that, keep your sense of curiosity and find out what they're talking about. And this, I know it was kind of a sensational headline. Of course. But it got me to read it and find out why I need to pay particular attention to why our community and me, I might be more at risk. And as we look at the coronavirus, we may see a familiar
2: name from our past. Michael taylor do you have a little bit more about that?
1: Dr. Anthony Fauci, who was a leader in the AIDS fight, is taking a lead and hopefully helping to conquer the COVID-19 virus. Now, if any heroes emerge from the COVID-19 outbreak, one of them will likely be this man. And this comes from Advocate.com from Thursday, March twelfth, twenty twenty, by Trudy Ring. And the article goes on to say that Fauci, who has been unafraid to speak the truth about the new coronavirus strain, and counter. The misinformation put out by Donald Trump has been director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases since 1984, but he was dealing with AIDS almost from the time it was identified.
2: Yeah, he joined NIAID, which is part of the National Institutes of Health, as a senior researcher in 1972 after completing medical school and his residency. Over a period of 10 years from 1972 to 1981, Fauci says, I was a rather successful clinical immunologist type person with a clinical interest in infectious disease, he told the Science Speaks blog in 2011. Then he started reading about gay men in major American cities developing pneumocystic pneumonia, something seen in cancer patients and people with severely depressed immune systems.
1: Now, we went from 28 weeks median survival to now in 2011. That's what Fauci, while addressing other public health crises such as SARS, Ebola, and now COVID-19, has remained tuned into to HIV and AIDS. He's an advocate for making treatment as prevention and pre-exposure prophylaxis more widely accessible, and he's enthusiastic about research into an HIV vaccine. He may at times be overly optimistic about some things, like how soon an HIV vaccine can come to fruition, but that does help convince Congress to come up with the money. Thomas Frieden, former director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, recently told The New York Times.
2: Importantly, in getting the word out about COVID-19, Fauci hasn't been afraid to contradict Trump's unrealistic projections. After Trump said a vaccine would be available soon, Fauci told reporters no. More like 12 to 18 months, the Times notes. He also corrected Trump's talk about a cure to say that there was a greater possibility of a treatment to lessen symptoms and that there was no basis for the president's prediction that COVID-19 would be gone by spring. But he did it all tactfully.
1: Yes, and that, to me, is one of the greatest points about him. He has such a measured sense about him. And you backing that up with, with all of the knowledge that he has. Now, the article goes on to say, I think Tony is playing the same exact role that he has in the past to make sure that, that science is accurate and clear, Donna Shalala, the former Secretary of Health and Human Services and now a member of the U.S. House, told The Times. During a health emergency, it's the scientists and physicians that are the credible people, the credible people to the American public, not politicians.
2: And this was my favorite quote from Donna Shalala. There are a lot of world-class scientists, but Tony has a special set of skills, an ability to communicate, high integrity, and an understanding of politics, and to know how to stay out of politics in order to protect scientists.
1: Absolutely, and to me, that's the point. I'm so thankful that we have I.M.R.U. and an Honest Tea, and all of this to to communicate to our community and our allies as well. But don't take our word for it. We're we're giving you these stories. We're providing these stories for our listeners. But check them out. Go to the source and verify your sources so that you are informed from the people who know this. You mentioned
2: allies right there. It's. Really cool to see that we seem to have an ally in the Canadian government. What's going on up in Canada?
1: Well, our next headline is Canada moves to criminalize LGBTQ plus conversion therapy. This is from TheGuardian.com, Monday, March 9th, 2020, by Reuters in Toronto.
2: Canada's federal government has introduced new legislation to criminalize LGBTQ plus conversion therapy as Justin Trudeau's liberal government moves to fulfill one of its 2019 election promises.
1: The proposed amendments to Canada's Criminal Code include offenses such as causing a person to undergo conversion therapy, advertising and profiting from conversion therapy, and removing a minor from Canada. Now,
2: conversion therapy is any practice designed to change a person's sexual orientation to heterosexual to change a person's gender identity to to one that matches the sex assigned at birth, or to repress or reduce non-heterosexual sexual attraction or behaviors, according to the legislation.
1: The bill also amends the criminal code to authorize courts to order disposing of or deleting advertisements for conversion therapy. Conversion therapy has been discredited and denounced by professionals and health associations in Canada, the United States, and around the world. It has no basis on science or facts, said David Lametti, Minister of Justice and Attorney General of Canada.
2: Now, you may be asking what is conversion therapy? It often uses talk therapy techniques, but some counselors have used extreme aversion treatments such as electric shock treatment and medication. Now, this legislation would not criminalize personal views expressed in private conversations by individuals looking to provide support to those struggling with their sexual orientation or gender identity.
1: The bill was introduced by Lametti and Bardish Shagar, Minister of Diversity and Inclusion and in Youth. Conversion therapy has been banned in some Canadian cities, such as Vancouver and Calgary. Ontario was the first Canadian province to ban the practice in 2015. Several U.S. states, including California, Colorado, New York, and Washington, have banned conversion therapy.
2: And New York has found its way into our stories once again this week, as in changing the birth certificates of minors.
1: Yes, our latest headline coming from New York that we're covering this week is following trans teens lawsuit, minors can now change New York birth certificates. This is from NBC Out from NBCNews.com. Thursday, March 12th, 2020 by Cynthia Silva. And this headline brings us some wonderful, wonderful news. That's right. New York State
2: will now allow transgender minors to change the gender marker on their birth certificates to reflect their gender identity instead of their sex assigned at birth.
1: Effective immediately. Transgender individuals born in New York will have the right to make this deeply personal decision without the government's unwarranted denial or without having their privacy violated. New York Attorney General Letitia James announced on Tuesday, one of my favorite people in the world. We will not allow an outdated policy to stop us from providing every individual with equal dignity and justice.
2: James' announcement came just two months after a 14-year-old trans boy, only known as MHW, sued the state over its policy barring minors from changing their birth certificate gender marker, which has been legal for adults since 2014. MHW called the new policy awesome.
1: Now all my identity paperwork matches, and I can go forward not having to worry about legal documents conflicting with who I am again. I get to just go on being me, he said following the announcement, according to a statement from Lambda Legal, an LGBTQ civil rights group that filed the case on MHW's behalf. Omar Gonzalez Pagan,
2: one of the Lambda Legal attorneys working on MHW's case, said this week's announcement is a victory for all transgender people in New York. He went on to say that, every person should be recognized and respected for who they are. It shouldn't take a minor and his family suing the state to get their rights recognized. But with this announcement, New York state eliminates an outdated and unjust barrier to transgender minors' ability to be themselves and have accurate essential identity documents.
1: There is currently a patchwork of laws across the U.S. when it comes to birth certificate gender marker changes. Some states, including New York, California, Colorado, Connecticut, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, and Washington allow both transgender adults and minors to update their birth certificate gender markers, according to Lambda Legal. However, at least two states, my home state of Ohio and Tennessee, don't allow for amending the gender marker on birth certificates at all. Lambda Legal is currently suing Ohio and Tennessee over these policies.
2: As someone who's gone through this process, I can tell you it's quite difficult and it's an ordeal to try to get done. And I'm glad to see things getting a little bit easier for transgender people in New York.
1: We are making progress, state by state.
2: Now, we've seen a lot of shutdowns this week as we talked about earlier, but it's nice to see somebody shut down an anti-LGBTQ critic.
1: Oh yeah, this is a different kind of shutdown. Yes. Yeah. Our, our last headline for this week's uh, Honesty, Disney CEO shuts down Anti LGBTQ critic. Bob Chapic attributes the drop in Disney stock to the coronavirus, not LGBTQ content.
2: Yes, during a shareholder meeting last Wednesday, Caroline Farrow, an anti LGBTQ activist, asked Disney CEO Bob Chapic if it was perhaps time to see what you can do to make Disney more family friendly and safe for people around the world, not just one minority given that the company's stock price has recently plummeted.
1: Yes, and thanks to NBC Out from NBCnews.com, Thursday, March 12, 2020, by Gwen Avalas, for this story. The article goes on to say, she has also brought up concerns that more than 400,000 people who signed a petition, that this was the Caroline Farrow, the anti lgbtq activist, brought up more concerns that more than 400,000 people who signed a petition asking Disney to avoid hosting Pride events were not being heard. Chappick
2: who replaced Bob Iger as CEO of Disney last month, dismissed Fallow's objections in his response, stating that Disney believes in reflecting the diversity of its fan base and its creative content. He added that producing inclusive projects will only become an increased priority for the company in the future. We believe we want to tell stories that our audience wants to hear that reflects their lives, Chappick said.
1: As for why Disney's stock has recently decreased, Chappic attributed it to the coronavirus, which has also called global markets to drop, not LGBTQ content. In terms of the stock price, there's a lot of reasons why the stock price might be down. That has nothing to do with the issue you raised, Chappick said. It might have more to do with coronavirus and the worldwide pandemic that we're facing. According to the media advocacy group GLAAD, According to the media advocacy group GLAD, Walt Disney Studios has been behind all other major film studios the group has been tracking since 2012 in terms of on-screen LGBTQ representation. Even though the company has showed signs of progress by including LGBTQ moments in films like Avengers Endgame and Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, Disney has also recently made history with Onward, an animated film that features an openly lesbian character voiced by Lena Waithe. A number of
2: upcoming Disney projects are also slated to include LGBTQ characters, including The Eternals and Thor, Love and Thunder, in response to the fans who have urged the company to avoid tokenism and embrace fuller inclusion.
1: Stay safe, stay informed. And that's The Honest Tea. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this quick
3: break. It's time for Who Said That? on this episode of the Rainbow Minute. This female athlete made history by mastering a whole array of competitive sports. Born in 1911 in Texas, the press marveled at her athletic prowess, but described her as mannish or unnatural. In high school, she was the high scorer on the basketball team and went semi-pro in 1930. A couple years later, her sport was track and field, setting world records for the high jump, the javelin, and the baseball throw. Then she won Olympic gold medals for the javelin and the 80-meter hurdles. In the 1940s, she dominated women's golf, and in 1947 became the first American golfer to win the British Women's Open. She once said, my goal is to be the greatest athlete who ever lived. Who said that? It was Babe Didrickson who lived her dream and then some. The Rainbow Minute is produced by Judd Proctor and Brian Burns and recorded in the studios at WRIR in Richmond, Virginia, and read by volunteers like me, Dustin Richardson.
4: Hi, this is Sam Harris. Singer, actor, author, husband, dad. I'm so many things, I'm about to explode. Listen to I Am R U, radio magazine.
5: I am R U. I am R U. I stand for due
6: process.
1: I stand for a nation of fair and just laws. I believe the public deserves to know the truth. If I showed you the truth,
6: would you have me imprisoned? I am Bradley Manning. I am Bradley Manning.
1: I
4: am Bradley Manning.
6: I am Bradley Manning.
4: I am Bradley Manning.
1: The 2020 Club Skirts Dinosaur Weekend and White Party Palm Springs have both been postponed after the Riverside County Public Health Office issued an order on Thursday, March 12, 2020 to cancel public gatherings of 250 people or more. But you can still take your ears to The White Party, at least with an audio
2: essay from Peter McQuaid. Here's part one.
7: 11.30 p.m. Friday. It's tribal bonding time in the basement of the Marquis Hotel in Palm Springs. I am shirtless and sweaty, and Frankie Knuckles is spinning in the next room to hundreds of similarly shirtless, sweaty men. It's an insistent, treacly, techno clack. No spiritual transformation, no ecstatic transcendent disco, no working it, just work. Aerobic activity for further cutting those abs and getting the most out of that crystal high. The circuit and its culture is the subject of much concern these days. In August of last year, at the morning party benefit for New York's gay men's health crisis, a GHB taking ecdisiast overdosed and had to make what has come to be known as a Franz Jolie exit to a mainland hospital. After much heated debate on the GMHC board last winter, it was decided the party would continue. As I wander out into the crowd and survey the arena, the first wisp of a circuit theory comes to me. At least half these so-called circuit gods aren't intrinsically beautiful. They're tan, they have good haircuts, they have nice clothes, and most intrinsic to the equation, fabulous bodies. Big or small, they've clearly put in a lot of gym time, just said no to Sundays, and perhaps yes to nandrolone decanote, otherwise known as deca, and testosterone Scipionate. You know, it really boils down to one thing, and that is, everyone wants to get laid, says 39-year-old Jeff, a bodybuilder since age 17. If people feel they have a better chance of getting laid by looking a certain way, that's it. When it becomes, now, am I good enough? Then it's a dead end. 4.30 a.m., Saturday. I head upstairs to check out the hallways. On my way out, I am yanked off my feet by a bar buddy who proceeds to plant a very hot, wet one on and well inside my lips. Then he introduces me to his boyfriend. We chat briefly before I head outside. It's late, but the endorphins, fueled by curiosity, have kicked in, so I consider an invitation to an after-hours party hosted by a well-known New York sex party impresario. Bring your fine athletic body, it reads. Hmm, is my body fine and athletic enough? It's not bad, but my six-pack is looking more like a keg at the moment. Am I good enough? Cruising the hotel halls upstairs, I spot a gathering of fellows in front of one suite where a door opens occasionally and a disco surges out into the hallway. There is also a very perturbed-looking hotel security guard in front, a white man of about 60. When a group of party boys approach the door, the svelte brunette standing guard appraises them for facial structure and body fat ratio. They pass muster and are admitted. They also pass room capacity, however, and eventually the hosts are summoned to the door. Two portly 40-something men in underwear and an obvious state of agitation appear. I paid over $3,000 for this sweep, the host complains. I throw this party every year. I've never had a problem before. I am suddenly very curious about what people are doing inside when the door opens and an old friend exits. Oh, it's great, he says, when asked what's going on. It's an underwear party, but a really schmoozy one. A ver, a ver. I ask him why he's leaving. I don't have any underwear, a ver, a ver. he says. Come with me and we'll go back together. A ver, a ver. I'm not wearing any underwear either, off into the ver, night we go well, in search of lingerie de homme. We get to his house. He throws me a thong. Here, this will fit you. No, this will not fit me. This will never fit me. My companion has a body as hard and as tight as a brick you know what. He regards it as a playground for all. I, on the other hand, will never disgrace God by appearing in a thong. Off we go to my place to find a suitably flattering, that is to say, concealing, pair of knit boxers. 6 a.m. Saturday, we hasten back to the underwear party. Once inside, we put our clothes in plastic bags, head for the bar, grab some sodas, and make the tour. Downstairs, men are standing around gabbing, dishing. We make our way upstairs, where my friend promptly veers off to one of two bedrooms. Surveying the scene, it seems hard to believe that this den of disco, schmoozing, voyeurism, and flirtation has been vilified as the end of gay civilization as we know it. This ever-floating, supposedly A-list party known as the circuit has been vilified by such activist gay icons as Michelangelo Signorilli, Larry Kramer, and Gabriel Rotello, who have repeatedly criticized the eroticized, druggy atmosphere as highly destructive to gay men's fragile sense of self-esteem and highly conducive to the spread of HIV as well as antithetical to all-good activism. The circuit also seems to fill a need in the lives of many men. For more than a few, it's the chance to do something that seems smart, jet-setty, and fabulous. The drawbacks? It's extremely high-maintenance. Trying to get away from work, getting other people to go with you. A lot of logistics. I'm planning for the black-and-blue ball, which is six months away," 27-year-old Brian says, laughing. Circuit life is far from cheap, he says, estimating he spends $1,000 minimum for each out-of-town trip. In the past year and a half, he admits he's downsized his party hopping. He stopped drugging a year ago, and it's hard to keep up. Brian's also become romantically involved again. It's difficult if only one of you can go, or if you both want to go. You can't enjoy yourself as much. If anything, the worst thing you can say about the circuit is that, at the end of the day, it's banality with a set of pecs you can't keep your eyes on, or, if you're lucky, your hands off of. It's about looks and size, not art and ideas. In my knit boxers, I head to the suite's luxuriously appointed bathroom which currently looks like a combination emergency room, beauty salon, after a 7.5 earthquake whose epicenter is located about where the bidet is. Another svelte brunette, the town is lousy with them, pushes his way in. I hate this, he cries, angst-ridden, catching his reflection in the mirror. Well, who looks good in underwear, I offer, present company excluded, of course. But he has more on his mind than just his appearance or even a thrust at Dionysian ecstasy. A fellow journalist, he asked for my card. I ponder this query, wondering where on my person he thinks a card would be.
1: Michael Taylor Gray, put your shirt back on. Sorry, Chloe, but when I hear music, I gotta dance. Voulez-vous coucher avec moi, ce soir? No merci. Oh, and now, without further ado, back to The White Party.
7: 7 a.m. Saturday, I head to the orgy room. I'm approached by a young, smooth-skinned, heavily-muscled man who seems intent on making contact, and I receive my circuit epiphany. This is the kind of guy whom I wouldn't dare ask for the time of day, and he wants me. I am good enough. But he's too pooped to pop, so to speak, so I decide to can the orgiastic frenzy and head downstairs to where verbal socializing is the order of the morning. 9 a.m. Saturday. Back at my hotel I sneak in. Two beds and a cot. Our room in one of Palm Springs' less tony establishments is comfortable for two, cramped for three. One roommate is fast asleep, the other busy elsewhere in the city. I crash. Three hours later I am awakened. Time to hit the International House of Pancakes, which is mobbed by gay men and lesbians. There is a sprinkling of families in their Sunday best, but for the most part, it's girls in tank tops and boys in muscle tees. Back at the hotel, I fall into a beauty coma. Hours later, I awake to find the afternoon party is in full swing. Men, men, and more men, packed around a tiny pool, lounging, talking, and always cruising. Time for another nap. 9 p.m. Saturday. Wake up in time for the big night, the white party at the Palm Springs Convention Center. It is quite a spectacle. Scaffolding has been set up on opposite sides of the dance floor, enclosing it and allowing a number of revelers a bird's eye view of the hundreds of shirtless men gyrating wildly at ground zero. White lights pulse and spin in the darkness, and of course, the ubiquitous go-go boy gyrates on stage. The effect is a scaled down, monochromatic blade runner. I scan the crowd. In approximately one nanosecond, 10 years of gym workouts and psychotherapy fall into the toilet. An acquaintance of many years approaches me, a black man, a DJ with a handsome face and a remarkable Sistine Chapel-esque body. It is his first time sober at an event like this and he confesses to the same self-esteem-free feeling I am experiencing. We walk, we talk, we look, we go outside for a cigarette. I worry about the principal catching us. I realize at 37 I am not in high school anymore. I'm a grown up. I look like hell, he says. I wish I looked as bad as you do, I reply and mean it. We both laugh, we bond. Sisterhood is powerful. I'm getting tired. We smoke some more cigarettes. We, both drug-free, confess to exhaustion, and it's only midnight. I make my escape with my Sistine chapel bud. We head back to his place, and yes, we did. 6.30 a.m. Sunday. Early in the morning, we are awakened by his roommate, a chiropractic student from one of LA's eastern suburbs, fresh from an ultra-exclusive sex party. Attendance was light, he reports, but he did hook up with one great guy. Actually, we spent most of the time laying around naked looking at the stars, he reports. Then we'd start messing around and all these guys would come over and watch us, or grab occasionally. To tell you the truth, it was kind of a turnoff. he says. It was like, get your own fun. By 10 a.m. Easter morning, I've had enough. I am, at the risk of sounding homophobic, fagged out. I marvel at just how high school life can be. Most of us, closeted and confused as adolescents, never got the chance to act out the rites and rituals of adulthood before we had to put them into practice. I suddenly miss my recently deceased parents who loved me and were nice to my boyfriend. I want a proper Easter Sunday brunch with my boyfriend and his friends and their kids. Not another revved-up, half-naked day around a by-now murky swimming pool. I throw off my metaphorical harness and throw on my khakis, a polo shirt, and my hiking boots. Dig my navy blue blazer out of the trunk and lead-foot it west along Interstate Ten.
1: Well, I certainly remember my first white party, and I think I remember my last one. But there was a lot of pressure to look a certain way, have a certain number of outfits, and have all of your, let's say, party favors together before you went. I believe that.
2: And I was really struck by the need for self-esteem and how much of a theme that was
1: throughout the essay. Throughout. And not the focus being on the fundraising that the events are supposed to be. But there you go. Of course, the White Party is far from the only big event to be postponed or canceled.
2: Besides the Dinah Shore weekend, the list includes CSW Pride, Simply Divine, the LA Times Festival of Books, and Off Sunset Street Festival. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
6: Barbara Jordan, forever. Coming up now on the Rainbow Minute. On September 16, 2011, the U.S. Postal Service issued a Barbara Jordan commemorative Forever stamp. It was priced at 44 cents. The first day issue was in Houston, Texas, the place of her birth in 1936. Jordan was the first African-American woman elected to the Texas legislature and the first African-American woman elected to the U.S. Congress from the South. The stamp is the 34th in the Black Heritage series and features an oil painting of Jordan by Albert Stark, recreated from a black and white photograph. Upon Jordan's death in 1996, she was survived by her longtime partner, Nancy Earle, with whom she had shared her home as a devoted couple for 30 years. The Rainbow Minute is produced by Judd Proctor and Brian Burns at WRIR in Richmond, Virginia, and read by volunteers like me, Sodana Boule in Philadelphia.
8: I am gay, and being gay has been certainly a very important part of my life. But I will die if I do not have clean air to breathe. I will die if I don't have shelter. I will suffer greatly if the gap between the rich and the poor continues to widen. And I think gay people have a responsibility, like everyone else. But I do think that gay people are special in some ways. That because we exist in every color of skin, because we were raised in every type of family, that maybe we can be part of the process of uniting people to address the gravest issues that affect us all. I really have come to believe that the greatest divide and the most destructive divide between us is not sexual orientation or gender or even race. It's class. It's about money and power and the new economy that we're living in. I want to do whatever I can to help build power for working class people, gay and straight and black and brown and young and old. We need to help all working class people understand that it matters who you fall in love with. It matters what color you are, but we are going to sink or swim together. Hi, I'm Cleve Jones, and you are listening to I M R U.
5: My mama told me when I was young We were all born superstars She rolled my hair, put my lipstick on In the glass of her boudoir There's nothing wrong with loving who you are She said, cause he made you perfect, babe So hold your head up, girl, and you'll go far
9: Listen to me when I say
5: no matter get straight or by let's be in transgender life. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born to survive. No matter black matter baby, shoulder or remained. I'm on the right track. Baby, I was born to be brave. How beautiful am I? Cause God makes no mistakes. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. Don't hide yourself and regret. Just love yourself and you said I'm on the right track, baby. I was Don't be a drag, just be a queen, don't be a drag, just be a queen, don't be a drag, just be a queen, don't be Give yourself prudence and love your friends, so I can rejoice the truth In the religion of the insecure, I must be myself, respect my youth a different lover is not a sin. Believe, capital H I am. I love my life. I love this red, good and.
9: Me, I'm on yeah, yeah.
5: No matter get straight, or bi, lesbian, transgender, life, I'm on the right track, baby. I was born to survive. No matter black, white, or beige, chola or made, I'm on the right trap baby i was born a be brave i'm beautiful in my way because god makes no mistakes i'm on the right trap baby i was born this way don't add yourself in regret just love yourself and you said i'm on the right trap baby i was born this way
1: welcome back i'm the shirt wearing michael taylor gray And I'm Chloe Corcoran. For the last few decades, IMRU's Pride on Screen has chronicled the opening of each new film in the queer canon. We've spoken to creatives and casts. As more and more of these films become available to stream online, we've decided to revisit the best of these features, starting with one of the most iconic.
2: Brokeback Mountain.
10: Based on a short story by Pulitzer Prize-winning author Annie Prolu, the film version of Brokeback Mountain was directed by Academy Award-winning filmmaker Ang Lee from a screenplay by Pulitzer Prize-winning author Larry McMoultrie and his longtime writing partner Diana Asana. It's not just a landmark gay film. It's one of the most heart-wrenching love stories that I've ever seen. Set against the sweeping vistas of Wyoming and Texas, the film tells the story of two young men a ranch hand and a rodeo cowboy, who meet in the summer of 1963 when they work as sheep herders up on Brokeback Mountain. Ennis Del Mar, played by Heath Ledger, and Jack Twist, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, become friends and then unexpectedly, lovers. But at summer's end, the two must come down from Brokeback and part ways.
11: You gonna do this again next summer? Well, maybe not. Like I said, me and Al was getting married in November. So, uh, i trying to get something on the ranch, I guess. And you? I might go up to
12: my daddy's place and give him a hand through the winter. Or I might be back. If the army don't get me. Well,
11: I guess I'll see you around, huh? Okay. Right.
10: Filmmaker Ang Lee is heterosexual grew up in Taiwan and was only nine years old in
9: 1963. So what drew him to this particular story? Gay ranch hands in Wyoming, they're very far from me. But I think it touched that enigmatic subject of love, I think, and because the strange combination west macho Western and a gay love story, somehow. I think the infamiliarity for me reached out very far in that mystery. And the emotion lands very hard, but the emotion is about missing, about something you don't get. I think that's very poignant, very profound. Um, It's kind of existential to think that two characters spend 20 years trying to go back to where they started in the mountain, in a place that they hardly understand themselves. So that's a calling for me.
10: Remaining in Wyoming, Ennis does wed his sweetheart Alma, has two daughters, and struggles to eat out a living. Jack, in Texas, catches the eye of a wealthy rodeo queen, gets a job working for her father. They have a son. Four years pass. One day, Ennis gets a postcard from Jack, who's en route to visit from Wyoming. When Jack arrives, it's clear that the passage of time has only strengthened their feelings. In the years that follow, Innocent Jack meet up several times annually. They struggle to keep their bond alive, and secret, from their wives.
6: You still go fishing with Jack Twist? Not often. I used to wonder how come you never brought any trouts home. You always said you caught plenty and you know how me and the girls lack fish. So one night I got your creel case open, not before you went on one of your little trips. Price tag still on it after five years. And I tied a note to the end of the line. It said, hello, Ennis, bring some fish home. Love, Alma. And then you come back, looking all perky. It said you caught a bunch of browns and you ate them up. Do you remember? I looked in that case first chance I got, and there was my note still tied there. Their line hadn't touched water in its
11: that life. mean nothing, Elma.
6: Don't try and fool me no more, Ennis. I know what it means, Jack Twist, Jack Nasty, you didn't even go up there
10: to fish minute.: inability to move beyond the boundaries of expectations, dictated by time and community, brings tear-inducing poignancy to Brokeback Mountain. Actor Heath Ledger stuns in the stoic role. Despite Ennis' taciturn nature, Ledger says he found things he admired in the man he played.
11: His potential, <laughs> you know, uh, he had great potential to love and um, I think the one time you really see the potential is with his kids, his children, because that's, that's the one form of love he's really allowed to express. It's not dangerous to him um, and with his wife it just wasn't uh, really love, it was what he thought should be love and, and it was a, a routine that he slipped into because um, it was conventional, it was traditional. and. Uh, um and obviously his love for for Jack was forbidden and and he hated himself for it he punished himself for it you know um essentially he was a uh, you know homophobic man uh, in love with another man um and uh so that i guess i guess i i, I guess i always um had faith in the love within him uh, a lot more than he did and i i think that's what all the characters i think found in him too was was this uh, the potential within this masculine figure to be kind of vulnerable and...
10: Although Heath Ledger is receiving all the Oscar buzz Jake Gyllenhaal's portrayal of the outgoing Jack Twist ranks among his best work but it's not the role he thought he'd get I thought that
12: Ang would want to cast me as Ennis and Heath as Jack just because I felt like Heath was more outgoing and you're used to Heath kind of being a kind of active, less passive presence, you know? And somewhere in my mind, naively, I guess I thought that. And when we were cast opposite what I thought, I realized that Aang recognized in both of us something that I don't think either of us saw necessarily. And that want to always kind of push forward and progress and change things was something in Jack that I felt like I really had too. And that um, the amount of words he says, I think it's sort of the same thing in a different way. They're like yin and yang, you know, and when they come together, I do think they make a circle. Uh, Heath and I talked a lot about it, and I, I find a lot of, just in Heath, him in his own nature, I feel like he carries his heart on his shoulder, you know, he's the kind of guy who's always protecting himself in different ways, but he's really a sensitive guy. And uh, whether or not he's talking or not talking, I think you can sense that from him always. And I just was playing with that. Like, I saw that and it was like a friendship that we had as
10: actors that was somehow translated to in the movie. One interesting thing about the release of Brokeback Mountain is that despite its pedigree and despite being wonderful filmmaking, it's not really groundbreaking subject matter. We've had amazing gay love stories told before, but although this began as another potential low-budget gay indie, the casting of two of Hollywood's hottest young heterosexual stars pushed it into the headlines, and the press began to chant, aren't they brave? All we were doing was servicing a story. Actor Jake Chillenhall.
12: You know what I think is really more courageous is people who are trying to be intimate in their real life and who are up against the real things you know we just we're making a movie for two months where we played characters and I think it's a time where more people are open to this than
10: it might seem his co-star Heath Ledger concurs
11: I think it's a bit silly I think it's a bit obvious and um, you know the whole that it's daring and that it's brave you know Firefighters are daring and brave. You know, we're acting. It's like I'm quite safe right now. You know, <laughs> I'm not hurt. It didn't damage me. I'm alive. I didn't really have to be that brave. I was just doing something that you know I like to do. I was performing and portraying. It's uh, my interest. Um, I don't know. I think it's a shame that it's built up too much. Uh, I think it shouldn't be such a big deal. But hopefully that's what this movie will do, is it'll slowly start to kind of open people's eyes and hearts and imagination. I think it's quite a shame that we live in a world where we have, and I think we're moving out of it slowly, where people are so eager to voice their opinions and disgust concerning the ways in which people choose to love one another. I don't know, it just doesn't make sense to me, and I, I think, um, I don't know. I, we certainly didn't go into this movie with any political intentions. Like, we don't want to change the world. But if it helps someone kind of accept other forms of love, then that's certainly not a bad
9: thing.
10: Ironically, filmmaker Ang Lee would have had no problem casting gay actors.
9: I think if they're gay, it make my job easier, and I will welcome that. And the movie is low-budget film we don't, we don't need to please a whole lot of people. So a gay actor actually make my job easier. I would love to, but I gotta go with my best choice by the time I have to cast. I think Heath is a great anchorman for that Western thing and Jake should be a romantic lead. So I just go for the best possible choice.
10: As a filmgoer and critic, I can't imagine a better cast or better storytelling. Brokeback Mountain is beautiful. Moving and tragic.
12: What if you and me had a little ranch somewhere, a little cow and calf operation? Be a sweet life. Hell, you know, Lorraine's old man. You better give me down payment to get lost. I mean, he more or less already said it.
11: You no, know, I. I told you it. It ain't gonna be that way. You know, you. You got your wife and baby in Texas and. You know, I got my life in Riverton. That's so. You and Alma, that's alive. Oh, you shut up about it, Alma. This ain't her fault. The bottom line is we're around each other, and, and this thing grabs hold of us again in the wrong place, in the wrong time.
10: And what would Heath Ledger like the audience to take away from the film?
11: For me, it's a story of how love transcends all. The environment you're born in, Um, the opinions of generations before you, i.e. your family, your parents, your father, Um, and how love is uh, uh, stronger than opinions that are installed in you as a child and that it can break down those barriers and and just the power of love.
10: This has been a conversation with Ang Lee, Heath Ledger, and Jake Gyllenhaal. Brokeback Mountain is from Focus Features. This is Steve Pride, Thanks for listening. He
11: was a friend of mine.
9: He was a friend of mine.
1: Brookback Mountain is available on pay-per-view from YouTube, Google Play, iTunes, Vudu, Amazon Prime, and free with your Hulu subscription. There are still a few minutes left. Enough time for a last word. In honor of Liza Minnelli's 74th birthday on March 12th, tonight's last word is Sam Harris retelling the story of Liza's wedding from his book, Ham, Slices of a Life, Essays and Stories.
5: How the world can change. It can change like that. Due to one little word. Mary.
4: Naturally, like at any wedding, all the attention should be paid to the bride and groom, so I tried, I tried, I tried, 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 tried tried not to stare at Michael Jackson, but I just couldn't not. He was wearing a rigorously tailored black suit, festooned with velvet and sequined piping, and a darling Peter Pan collar centered with a diamond brooch. His hair was flat-ironed into a flirty Marlowe Thomas flip. His face couldn't have been whiter if he'd been an Irishman locked in a windowless basement his entire life. I'd met Michael on several previous occasions since the mid-80s, and he'd become less and less human each time, not only in appearance, but in manner, his very person. The man was on his own planet, Michael Planet. His eyes, darkly lined in black, remained closed throughout the service, and his head bobbed and wobbled from side to side to the rhythm of a music no one else could hear. Occasionally he would titter to himself at an internal joke, showing his teeth just a shade less white than his face, and raise his shoulders like a five year old girl who just said the word penis for the first time. On the other side of the altar sat Elizabeth Taylor. She was wearing an ensemble that made me think she'd looked in her closet that morning and said, what shall I wear? Everything. But she was still Liz Taylor and somehow it worked on her, down to the veiled, black, tooled and feathered hat set slightly askew on her head. Or was she tilting to one side? I'd also met Elizabeth on many occasions since the 80s, and I truly adored and admired her as an actor, humanitarian, and one of the great purveyors of nasty, nasty, dirty jokes. But she was clearly exhausted from the trauma of the shoe ordeal. And when the priest requested we lower our heads in prayer, she did. And she never came back up. She never came back up.
2: Well, that's the end of our show. We know you have choices on your radio dial and appreciate you spending time with us. Thank you.
1: Our thanks to IMRU's executive producer, Steve Pride, Rainbow Minute producers Judd Proctor and Brian Burns.
2: Find us online at imruradio.org and follow us on Facebook at IMRU Radio. If you're a web designer, social media expert, or just interested in LGBTQI community affairs and would like to volunteer with IMRU, Email volunteer at imruradio.org.
1: A little reminder, you can always hear our weekly show posted to kpfk.org. You can also listen to our
2: podcast, where we'll start presenting longer interviews and content too bodacious to broadcast.
1: And if you want to see us, be sure to check out our promos on IMRU Radio Podcasts on YouTube. Good Good night. night. Chloe, did you wipe that down?
0: The state of this bug is blurry. Everyone's hypertense. Anxious, afraid, unsettled, and upset. I want to thank Mike Pence and everybody for the job they're doing. We have a great team. You tell us not to worry. Passing the ball to Pence? Politicizing a global pandemic threat. There's no reason to panic. You will probably, uh, you'll be fine. In other words, while you're worrying more for your own re-election bid, A person could develop COVID You can say it's a con, but the stock market's still on its way to hell You can call it a hoax, but it's hard to make jokes when there's no Purell While your goal is deflection from this new infection that you can't spell A person
3: could develop a cold At President Trump's direction, this is an all-hands-on-deck effort
0: A parasite such as this one latches on to its host typically getting thrown
3: under the bus uh, This morning we talked a great deal about additional medical supplies
0: acting like a physician hoping to hold its post while osculating the gluteus maximus
6: From the moment that this country learned of the spread of the coronavirus President Donald Trump took a decisive action In
0: other words, just from kissing Trump's ass by indulging his ego trips A person can develop chapped lips.
3: We're all in this together.
0: He can pray every day till the gay goes away. Hey, it's worth a shot. He can climate deny till the oceans are dry and the earth gets hot. But if praying that deadly diseases don't spread is the best he's got, some persons could develop a cold. Let's see. It says here, of spreading coronavirus. Ugh. Currently, risk is low. Oh. Turn off the lights and hide, though, just in case. That doesn't sound terribly comforting. <clears throat> Lock yourself in your bathroom. Scrub till your tendons show. But don't touch your hands, the faucet, the soap, or your face. Ugh. My god, what have I done? From a lack of intelligent leadership and a headline that's getting real Pandemic. old. Pandemic. A person can develop a bad, 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 bad code. Cool. You'll be fine. Girl, get tested.